don't ask, you don't get. Amen? We don't ask, you don't get. This morning we're going to be blessed because me and Rob asked Joe. We said, Joe, you haven't spoken for a little while. And when you brought the message last time, it was so good. We want you to do it again. That was two years ago now. <laughs> but if we didn't ask, we wouldn't get. So we're going to get Joe to give back all the stuff that I've said over the last years. Now's our opportunity to get our own back. So let's welcome Joe. She's going to bless us with his word this morning. Amen. 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 <laughs> Good morning, church. Good morning. It has been a while since I've spoken, so finally I get some time to get my own back on some of the stories. You all feel sorry for me, don't you? Because week after week, there's just so much coming my way (laughs) from up here. Um, But I was trying to think of some things, and actually I had one only this week. So... um, we, would, we did quite well, didn't we? When was it Friday night? We had a leak in our house. We had a leak under the sink. It was coming out over the floor. There was a... Well, I didn't see it, actually. I'd stayed in the lounge. Dan thought... I'd, he came home. He'd been out. And he, it was about half past ten. Came in. And I could hear him going, Oh, oh. <laughs> and you know when you're in the other room, but you're doing something, and I think... He's trying, to get my, he's trying to get me to come out and do something. So I ignored it. I thought, if it, he can sort whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but it's not going to be that bad because I see he would have come in. So a few more. Oh, I just can't believe that's happened. That's, what, well, what's that? Well, what's that from? I can hear him saying it so that I can hear these things. So, so it sort of went, right, calm. Would you like me to come out? Has something happened? And it's like, oh, there's, there's water all over the floor. There's water all over the floor. So it came out. There was quite, it was quite a lot. There was quite a lot. But it wasn't like a flood or anything. So what's our first thing? Ring, ring my dad. Like, but, but it's half past ten at night. We can't ring my dad at half past ten. We might have to even just open the cupboard and just sort of try and see where this is coming from, maybe. Like it's... <laughs> So um, opened the cupboard. We thought it was coming from the dishwasher, didn't we? So, oh, that was, yeah. So we thought it was coming from the dishwasher. And he says, you put the dishwasher on, didn't you? Like that. (laughs) Yeah. As if the putting the dishwasher on, and and as if there was a button there that said, and then uh, when you finish, just put all the water all over the floor, please. And that was the the button that I obviously had pressed. So... (laughs) Yeah. So I'd put it on in the normal way, normal thing. Anyway, so yeah, it's just interesting, isn't it? How it's these things just sort of come out and different characters just, yeah. Anyway, long story short, it wasn't the dishwasher, so that was good. And um, it was a sink, it was just a, a sink, a mucky sink. So we had to clear out this horrible, horrible sludgy stuff that had all been caught up. And it, yeah, it was like the Bush Tucker trial. And um, then we just, had to, we just had to screw a little nut in on the top, and both of us did it. We were so pleased with ourselves. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, thank you, yeah. And no phone call to my dad. We can just say next week, oh, do you know what we've done? He'll be so amazed, don't he? Absolutely amazed. Teamwork, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, so when I thought, I was thinking about what to, what to bring... Um, it's been a really interesting year when we're looking, sort of looking back um, in our family. There's been some really tough stuff happening in other families in the church. I know there's been some really hard, hard things. And P- 
people have been rocked to the core of their faith in, in a lot of these things. We've also seen, like in church life, when some people are, cel- some people are going through stuff, there's also people celebrating. That's, that's normal. That's church. So we've seen babies being born. We've seen salvations in families, families that have been believed for for so many years. It's just so... And, and that is what encourages people when they're going through those tough times. And that's, that's the result of prayer that's been gone out for years and years and years. And then suddenly, just like that, one day, just come through. I'm, I'm coming in. I need to come in. Um, and we've seen these salvations. And I think it's just never underestimate like how you've encouraged the church this year. I know you're not the only one, Chloe, but... It, it just does something to people who've been... You, sometimes when you're, new, when you're a new Christian, you think, oh, well, I've got nothing to... What can I give people? They know more than I do. They've been in, in the church for years. They know some of the Bible, and they know more than I... But what you bring is, is so amazing to people that have... And it's because you have been a Christian for years. Sometimes it is, is tough, you know. You sort of get into that routine, and, but you've, you've had that revelation of Jesus, and, and we can see that, and then it reminds us of... Actually, if he can do it for you, he can do it for us. And he doesn't just do it when we're saved and just stop. He's doing it all the time for us. So, and we've seen people coming through those doors desperate because they tried everything else. There's nothing else that's worked. And they know that their only answer has been Jesus. Um, so we've had some really interesting weeks the last few weeks and just some real breakthroughs in people's lives. Um, and last week there was breakthroughs again, but I really felt, and I have been feeling these last few weeks when I, before I, when I've been asked to speak, um, that there's some are just still really struggling in that place. And and it's amazing to see people having breakthroughs. But my heart this morning is for those who are looking on, thinking, "But where's mine?" That this. There's like a hiddenness, that's the word that I had, that, that some people are hidden, that they're hiding. Um, and the, the picture God gave me is that some people are like this. And it might be, might be some in here, it might be people online, it might be people who watch later. Um, but it's hard to see others having breakthrough when you feel so far from that. Um, and my heart today is for you to know that that is for you as well, that it's not just for those other people, that it is God wants that for you. He doesn't want anybody left out. He wants everybody going forward together. We've heard that the famine's over, and that applies to all of us. God wants that for all of us, none to be left behind. You might have been in it for years and years and years even and thought, well, this is it. This is all I've got. This is, this is my lot in life. But God says, no, there is more. There is more, and it's for everybody. Um, I've been speaking to people as well recently. And, and you know when God gives you a word, like this word of hiding, and then everybody you speak to, you seem to see it, you seem to hear it in everything, and it's like that little like bell going off. So um, I think since COVID, people are still really hiding. I've been speaking to people, like our neighbor, still terrified to go anywhere. Um, I've got a friend who's a manager. She um, she has about 20 people over um, like south 
South Hams. Um, and they need to all get together every so often to all have a face-to-face -face meeting. They have lots of meetings online. Before COVID, everybody was in the office. Um, during COVID, they're able to go and um, work from home as much as they wanted. Most of them just worked from home all the time, and they are now 100% still working from home. But they tried to, tried to get them into a, the, meet, the building for a face-to-face -face meeting is almost impossible because people... It changed like the fabric of society so much that the whole thing is flipped. So she's got people saying, "Well, I, I can't, I can't come into the office because I've got a dog now, and he's really nervous." So, <laughs> so um, uh, he's nervous. So I, I can't come in. So because my life, uh, my life just won't allow me to come in. Um, and other people said, this is, they used to drive to the office every day, like, we all, like people used to, every single day to and from work. So for years since COVID, that no, nobody's had any of those costs of going in. And, and they're saying, well, are you going to pay my mileage to, to go in for this meeting? And they're like, hang on a minute, you used to do that every day. Are you going to pay overtime for me to go there? So it's just, it, everything's just changed so much. The whole thing's flipped. So... People and people generally saying, I don't go out in the evenings now. I don't, I don't go out. And that's, that's the sort of things I've been hearing. They've all been sort of feeding into this idea of, of sort of hiding. And that can happen spiritually, obviously. That's like in the physical, people hiding away. But also when something tough kicks into our lives, and there's been a lot of stuff this year, it's our natural human response is to run and hide. And that's, that is okay. That's what we all do. But it's what we do then after, in that place of hiding that makes the difference as to whether you're coming out or whether you're staying, staying where, you, where you are. Because God is good, like we heard this morning. God is good. Amen. And when we go through tough things, one of our first things is, well, how would that happen? Why would that happen? If God, if God is good, how could he let that happen? And again, that's our natural human, human response. But we've got to stick to the truth because God is good. And that is the truth. There'll be things that happen that are really tough things, but nothing can change the truth that God is good. It doesn't change who he is. So I was thinking about why we do hide. There might be reasons of anxiety, fear of rejection, of not being good enough fear of change, fear of something happening, fear of something not happening. And it can be a combination, and it can also be that one thing after another. I've spoken to lots of people this year and recently that it's, it, oh, it's one thing after another. One thing comes in, I sort of can cope with that, and then another comes in. And it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot for anyone. And our hiding place, and I think when we run... Like the same as when we sort of it started with COVID, it was actually quite comfortable to start with. It's actually quite nice. I remember with COVID, it's sort of like, oh, we don't have to go anywhere. We can just, oh, we can watch Netflix. We can get, we can get people to deliver us food, and um, yeah, we don't we don't have to do anything. The whole thing, your sort of routine, which I, I do love routine, but I love having a little bit of no routine and then getting back to routine. So I was just like, ah, oh, no, yeah, it's like being on holiday. No, yeah, we don't have to go anywhere. Brilliant. Um, 
But it can, like we've just seen, like with some people, it's been, become like a comfortable prison almost because we put those limitations on and we don't even realize it because of how long COVID went on and how these things can go on. You don't even realize it becomes a part of your normal life and spiritually it can become a part of who you are and your, your makeup. So when it's our hiding place, it's a place of fear, it said, a place of anxiety and depression of low confidence, of not liking yourself, and a place of addiction. I don't know if some of you know, I had, um, when I, in my early 20s, I had depression and bulimia. Um, so I know what that, that place of addiction is like. Um, God set me free. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah, he absolutely did. Um, yeah, and I'll never be the same again, but I've got a real heart for people who are going through that because I know what that feels like, and it's never wasted with God. Whatever you go through, it's never wasted. There's always somebody that needs to hear your story, and it will affect, it will affect them, and it will affect their future. Um, our place is it's a place where you lose your voice. It's a place of striving where you sort of feel like you've got to Keep, oh, I've got to do that, and I've got to get that done, I've got to do that. It feels like it's, it's a really hard place that you just feel, start to feel exhausted. It's a place of limitation, a place of manipulation where you're trying to work things out yourself, a place of weakness. It's a place of feeling stuck in that repetitive cycle. And it's a place where we isolate ourselves, and we don't, either from God or from other people, but usually both. Because we know that out of the heart, the mouth speaks, so you sort of get to that point where you think, well, oh, no, if I meet up with them, they're going to know, because they're going to ask me how I, are, how I am, and I'm going to have to say, yeah, I'm fine, and I don't want to go into it all. So we, we step back, and that's what the enemy wants as well. He wants us to have that no links with people. He wants us to think we've got to do it on our own and that you're the only one going through that because everybody else is fine. That's how he works, and then that keeps us in that cycle. And it's a place where we focus on what we haven't got, and you feel limited, like we've been talking about the famine mentality. Um, I also, when I was preparing for this, I watched 24 hours in police custody. Anybody like that? Carol, you like it, good. And nobody else, just Carol. Oh, well done, Chloe, and Lee. Um, yeah, I love seeing how the investigations happen, seeing it from like the police side. So they start off with a case, and you follow it through, and you see people interviewed, and you see, um, and you see what happens, and how they make all the contacts and things, and how they make all the links. Um, and this, this one was a, uh, that I saw recently. There was a guy who he'd been basically part of human trafficking, really. He'd been brought over from Poland, um, he worked to work on farms over here. Immediately, his passport was taken away from him, um, given only some of the money that he was due to him. So he, he, had, he was, had total reliance on the people in charge of him. Um, and he was in this house. And it basically started off that they thought they were looking into a murder inquiry because he'd gone for five years. Um, no trace of him at all. And then they started, after five years, getting some Facebook, something on his Facebook account, so it looked like somebody was using his Facebook account. 
Anyway, long story short, he, it, was, it was actually him. He was still alive. And what had happened is one night he'd been beaten so badly by the people who had him um, that he, he managed to escape and he just ran. But he only ran about a mile, mile and a half away to this park and it had this real dense like trees and, trees and foresty bit behind. And he ran into there, found a shelter, and he stayed there, lived there for five years on his own, absolutely terrified. He was just, he went out once every night to, I think he was trying to ring his sister in, in Poland. He'd got, up the, he'd got up the courage because in his head, people were still chasing after him. As soon as he went out in the light, he wouldn't go out in the light. He was in the dark all the time. He'd only go out at, at night. He would eat from bins. And he was just obviously existing. There was no, no life. And when he was found, he was absolutely terrified that the police were going to take him back to where he went. He, he obviously didn't know the language very well. Um, and again, that was really... He'd, he'd like preserved his physical life, but he was a shell of, of sort of who he was. And that's, and that's how we can be. Um, we can sort of look all right because he was alive, but there's actually no life. And, and we know when we're in that place. We've all been in that place as Christians. It's not, and this isn't non-Christians that we're talking to. Is it? it's, we've all been in that place where, oh, I shouldn't feel like this. Like, I know I've been given life, but I've, I feel like I've got no life and everybody else around has. So it started me thinking about who's, um, who hid in the Bible. Adam and Eve hid from God. Tamar hid her, her identity from Judah. Moses was hidden from Pharaoh. And Elijah hid from Jezebel. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's not always a bad thing. Um, and David hid a lot. So I thought I'd look into David. So I started looking in um, 1 Samuel 23. And Saul, yeah, if you want to turn there, Saul had chased David all over the wilderness from place to place because Saul was threatened. For anyone that doesn't know, Saul was threatened by David because David had been anointed to be king by Samuel, um, but Saul was king at the moment. So like, you can sort of get that, can't you? That, oh, somebody's been anointed to be king after me. Well, how does that work? When, when am I, when's that going to happen? Is he going to kill me to make it happen sooner? So Saul was afraid and paranoid, and he was chasing David to try to kill him all over the wilderness. Um, and in, um, I won't read in um, chapter 23, but he's basically chasing him to play, from place to place, and you can really see God's hand in it. It's like a cat and mouse, because each time it would be the same pattern, that repetitive. David hides in a stronghold in a cave in the wilderness. Um, and the people around that cave who saw him arrive, because he was with like about 600 people, 600 of his men, the people that are in that land, they went and told Saul. So Saul then knows. So Saul goes to find him. And then, but then just before um, Saul gets to find David, the word of God comes to David and tells him Saul's on his way, so David escapes and moves on to the next one. And that, that repeated and repeated and repeated through chapter 23. But in that, as we were saying, nothing is wasted. In that, God was tr um, 
teaching David to trust him, to trust, because at each point, he knew he was safe in God because he was listening to what God was saying, and he was saying, now, now move. He's coming, now move. And he kept him safe, safe in that, that he was faithful to him. And he did it a few times as well. It takes us all a few times, doesn't it? it doesn't, it's not just the once, is it? It's just always remembering God's faithfulness in our lives because he doesn't just do it once. We see it again and again and again because he is good. Um, so that's where we start then in Samuel, 1 Samuel 24 in 1 to 5. So, oh yeah, and then at the, mid, in the, at the end of 23, he was just about to find David and then word came to Saul that the Philistines, there was something happening with the Philistines, so he had, to go, he had to go there. So he had to go and sort that out just before he got to David. So again, God's hand in the story. So it says in um, verse 1, chapter 24, Now it happened, when Saul had returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of that cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day on which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened after that, David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. So just going to leave it there for a minute. So Saul was chasing him, look at, going up to, he thought he was going to be up on the mountains, and there was a cave a bit lower down, and that is where they were. And Saul, Saul just wanders in, just wanders in, so they, they don't know whether he's going to have a wee or have a sleep. Um, but he was attending to his needs. So he went in on his own. It's a bit mad, really, when you're after somebody. He had his spear in his hand. He was going up. She's going to get David. But hang on a minute. I just need to stop here. And he's gone into a cave on his own. Um, so it would have been dark. He wouldn't have been able to see anything. And then David and his men would have seen them. And he would have been in a, a vulnerable position, um, whatever he was doing, because he, he didn't go in with his spear. He just took his eye off the ball for a minute, wandered in to do whatever he needed to do. Um, and that was David's, that was, his, that was his chance. And his men were saying, come on. He said, like, this is, this is your chance because you can do to him what, what makes you happy, what, what's going to get you to be king. Because once he's killed, you can be king. He thinks you're trying to kill him anyway. So, um, but what a picture of mercy but he had his chance. His back was, was, Saul's back was to him, and he had every chance, and he went up, just cut off a bit of the robe. Um, and then it says, David's heart troubled him. So he knew in his heart the right decision because he was troubled. So then what happened next? Um, did, he, did he kill him? What do we think? <laughs> did he did he start off just with the robe and then go to kill him? Because the men were telling him to. It would have been easy to. Well, I could have cut off his... It could have been a test. Can I get this close and I'll just cut off the robe and then I'll go back and do it. But as he cut off the robe, his heart was troubled. 
So again, God in this story. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So not only did he have a change in his heart, but he then changed the hearts of the people around him. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterward, went out of the cave and called out after Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? Look this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you. Yet you hump my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord, Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. So what a picture, because he ran into that cave in fear. He ran in with all his men, and he had such an opportunity to just make that all stop. But his heart was troubled because God was in this. And as soon as he touched the robe, he knew he was touching the anointed one that God had put in place for that time. He knew his time wasn't yet. And he walked out of that cave and he faced Saul head on. He didn't even... It makes, it, do you ever think like, oh, well, what if he did that? Because then I was thinking, well, he could have like not even followed him out. He could have, I'd probably would have just stayed in there, to be honest, but then thought, well, what am I going to do with this bit of robe? And well, how is, he's probably going to then know that somebody did that, so he'll then come back. Um, but he actually, he went out. He went out and faced him. And as soon as he turned, he bowed down to the anointed one. And from that place, Saul then didn't turn then and go, right, I'm going to kill you, because he was in a vulnerable place that he had chosen to put himself in where he didn't have to. And Saul saw that. And from that, he was able to speak words of truth from God's perspective because he was no longer in fear of the outcome. Because when that fear has been taken away, you can kneel down and give everything to God because you know your life is his. He knew he was promised to be king. So if he was promised to be king, he knew he couldn't die. So it's just amazing, isn't it? So yeah, what changed for David in that hiding place? He couldn't be king in that place. He must have also thought, well, I can't stay here forever because I can't be king in a cave. So what are you going to do? Um, and when we went back to um, 1 Samuel 23, 15 to 17, this, I believe, is the point where it, something started happening because he, for, before this time, he was running from place to place to place. And God was in that and he kept him in that. But something happened. Words were spoken in this place. 
And it said in verse 15, so David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So he said those, that's what the words that Jonathan spoke, those words of truth right before this change in David. Those words were truth, and they hit David right where he needed them at that time. Don't we need people in our lives like that? He strengthened his hand in God. He didn't go and say, oh, Dad's after you. Oh, God, he's got a lot of men. He's got 3,000. How many of you have got? 600. Oh, 600. Oh. He didn't do any of that. He reminded him of the truth, of the promise, that it is truth that it can't be changed because it was God's promise and he built him up when he needed it. He encouraged him to persevere in God's way no matter what it looks like. Because when in fear, we can make bad decisions. And David's decision in that moment, he knew that it would affect his future. If he'd have killed the king, it would have affected his future. If he'd have stayed in the cave, it would have affected his, his future. And it also affected the lives of those around him because those 600 men he was with would probably have been killed as well. So our decisions always, always affect people around us. And that word gave him God's perspective. Jonathan's reminder of, his, of God's promise to be king meant he could look at the situation from God's perspective, not his own. When we're in fear and when we're running and we're hiding, we don't see God's perspective we just see our own. We just see what's around. Well, that can't, that can't happen because of this and this and this and this. But he turned it around completely and said, no, look at it from God's perspective. Look at it, the promise that God's given you. And he was God conscious, not people conscious. So like Rob said last week about that, um, he had all those, those men in there around that cave saying, and I don't think all 600 were in there, I think they were in different caves, but his main, his main men would have been with him in that cave, saying, go on, you've got to do it. And up until that point, they would have all been working themselves up into a frenzy because they would have been thinking, oh, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming quick. And they would have been really saying all of that, and, he, and David would have been going, yeah, yeah, we're running, we're running, and if he comes, I'm going to get him. And... and but no, he didn't. He, he knew what God had said in it. And he didn't think, oh, well, what are they going to think now when I say, oh, actually, I'm not going to. I'm just going to take a little bit off the hem of his garment. Um, what would they say? Would they think he was weak because he was meant to be leading them? But no, he looked at what God had said. And I think it's awesome that he made that decision in the cave. So God... God's word and God is with him in the cave and that's and and God's not he's not left you to it and he's waiting for you outside for you to come on sort yourself out that's not that's not God's heart that's not who he is he's with you in it every step of the way holding your hand walking through it with you that's who he is and he made that decision in the cave to come out not knowing what the outcome could have been not knowing if Saul would have just even listened to him and just come and just got him. He just thought, 
My life is in your hands. My life is yours. In Psalm 91, 1-2, this is what David found. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That's what David found throughout his life, in this, in this as well, but throughout his whole life, that's what he found. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And all those, that description of my hiding place, our hiding place earlier, this is the description of God's hiding place. It's a place of refuge. It's a place of rest. It's a place of strength, place of security and safety. It's a place of peace. It's a place of trust. It's a place of perspective. It's a place of communion. And it's a place where we know who our identity is in. In Psalm 31, verses 1 to 4... This is David praying. He was, in, he was in a time of trouble. It might have been this time. It might have been another time. But he starts off, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. So he's learnt that again and again and again. And in verse 19, he says, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men, you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I say in my haste, I am cut off before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. O oh, love the Lord, all you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Amen. And that's a word for us today. He shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Because when we entered into a relationship with Christ, we died to this life, and our real life began hidden with Christ in God. So when we talk about hiding, Actually, God hides us. So when we, when we made that decision, our lives, our new lives, our real lives, are then hidden in him. So he is in us and we are in him. So our lives are now safely locked away in him. And we have all the benefits Christ has given us as a child of God. And it changes everything. 
It means we experience unconditional love. Nothing can separate us from God's love. We are justified, made right before him, and his righteousness in Christ is given to us. Grace covers us completely. God chose us and calls us friends. We have forgiveness. We have an eternal future in Christ Jesus. All the promises of God have a stamped yes on them. We have been called out of darkness through Christ's saving act of grace on the cross. We have been redeemed and bought for a price. You are a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have come, become new. Christ is the light. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Grasp your true identity in Christ today because that is who you are. You were made with a purpose, for a purpose, and there is no one else like you. That's your true identity. And David knew this, and that's what caused him to surrender. His identity in his God, in his faithful, faithful, good God. Jesus died on the cross and rose again because he loves us and wants to spend eternity with us. So are we willing to be vulnerable again to him today and lay our lives at his feet again like David did, not knowing what will happen next, but secure and safe in his love and his life? Because he's promised you a hope and a future. I've been listening to the song um, Holy Forever loads recently. Um, the words have just really spoken to me. And I had a little look um, at the writer, Chris Tomlin. I had a little look at what he wrote about, like, why he wrote it. And what he said was, I just tried to capture a piece of heaven in this song that never ends, this eternal song. What's amazing is that there is an eternal song and we know the lyrics. It's holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what the Bible says throughout Revelation. It says day and night, they never stop saying it. And there's lines in that, and all who've gone before us and all who will believe, sing the song of ages to the Lamb. If you've been forgiven, have you been forgiven? Yes. yes. And if you've been redeemed, yes. sing the song forever to the Lamb. If you walk in freedom, yes. and if you bear his name, we bear his name, we are his, sing the song forever to the Lamb. And when we meditate on his massiveness and his holiness, Amen. you find that, that perspective, that viewpoint is all changed around because you see it from his, from his side. And in Sam's prophecy, it said, as my kingdom takes first place in their hearts and as the greatness of my name becomes their banner, Amen. harvest and healing will become commonplace. The greatness of his name Holy is his name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to... Okay, cool. going to sing that song to finish. Can we lift our hands? If you'd like to stand, can we lift your hands? Thank you, Jesus.
Greenkeylord. In 1 John 4, 15 to 16, it says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you today that your name is great, Lord. Thank you that we bear your name, Jesus, today, that our identity is in you, Lord that you are for us today and not against us. Thank you, Lord, that our lives are hidden in you, Jesus. Thank you that we are hidden in you. We don't need to hide, Lord. Thank you that we can be vulnerable with you, Lord, that you know and you care. Jesus knows and Jesus cares. We've heard that last week. He knows where you're at today, and he wants to take your hand and lead you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.